My uh, grandson is staying with Julie and I this weekend, and I can just tell you that I've never seen a peace that Julie is able to maintain in light of a screaming child. He had an exciting day yesterday with the great-grandparents and his grandparents, and as you know, a six-month-old, or just shy of that, is get thrown off their schedule. They have a little bit of a hard time. As all of us, when we travel and get off our schedule, it can be a little uncomfortable, but he had a hard time last night. I can't believe how patient my wife is. I mean, I was too, but I just she just has a piece about her that's amazing. So she's a good mother. She's a good, great grandmother. So let's uh, thank you for that. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I know we mentioned about being in Daniel, but uh, Daniel's quite a lengthy study for me. And I had a busy week, and I have studied it, and I've got lots of notes, but I'm just not quite ready to go into Daniel chapter 10 and 11. So uh, rather, uh, not that it's any less important, but... It certainly is not dealing with prophecy, so I'm going to be in Romans chapter 5. And the title of, uh, at, at the top of my Bible, will be Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 12. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Tell you why I got confused, because I, I see the 6 on this page and the 5 on the previous, so it's actually Romans chapter 5, verse 12. At the top of my paragraph, it says, Adam and Christ contrasted. Adam and Christ contrasted. Well, I wonder, why did, and I think very logically, very pragmatic at times, and the older I get, the more I realize I'm that way, and it's a, it's a curse at times, but if God is good, and if God made us, if God made all that's around us and all that we can see and we can't see and all the wonderful things. And you can get to that point in your life where you can accept that we didn't just come here by accident. But rather we were determined, we were designed, we were created by a master. We call him God. And we know from the Christian Bible that God the Father... The Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one. And they live in community. And we believe in one God existing in three entities, three persons of the triune Godhead. And they live in community and always have. If you can, if you're listening to this sermon, if you can somehow rectify your little minds to believe that you were created for a purpose, that you were created by God, then I would suggest to you that the gospel message of the Christian Bible is the accurate one, the true one, the absolute truth. And it tells us exactly why and when and how and what we need to do. But that leads to the question, if God did create us, and I somehow have accepted that, then why did he create a serpent and allow it to come into the Garden of Eden? Why did he create Satan? Why did they fall from heaven and become satanic uh, followers of the evil one himself? Why did God put in the Garden of Eden a 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life? And why did he create man and a woman and give them the opportunity to then sin? Hmm. God is sovereign and God is in control and nothing surprises God. And why, why even have the serpent? Why even have all that? It doesn't make sense, but it actually does. Actually makes good sense. What is love? We have to we have to understand who God is. It would be impossible for us to live in a world that God created but didn't give us a choice to give us a choice. Now, God could have made the world so that it was all good but then we'd just be a bunch of robots walking around and not really knowing how good God really is. He could have chosen to not make us at all. But people say, you know, why did God make us? Well, God doesn't need us. We need God. And God made us simply for this reason, because he loves us and he's not selfish. He's very generous and he's very loving and he created human beings. But here's the catch. For you and I to truly love something, we have to make a choice. And there it is. God created a world that we have now that's the result of free choice. And we can get into all kinds of talks about Calvinism, Arminianism. We can talk about predetermination or determinism. We can talk about free will and all those things. I'm just here to tell you, just on a very pragmatic level, the one thing you and I can't do in our lives in a relationship is make the other person love us. You can't do it. You can send them flowers till you're blue in the face until your pocketbook's empty. But until they say, I love you, there's nothing you can do about it. Right? You've experienced some of that maybe in your younger years or maybe, maybe even now. I don't know. Maybe those listeners. You really, really love someone, but they're just not giving you back the response that you would like. Right? You hear time and time again of people who have a lot of money or have a lot of resources and they have kids and then the kids is, are in that social environment and you begin to wonder if the the kids that want to date the kids with all the money are dating them because of the money or dating because they love them or dating them because they like them because nobody wants to be in a relationship that's fake. Nobody wants to be forced into a relationship because that's not true love. Each of you at some point in your life have chosen, many of you who are married, chose a spouse. Out of 8 billion people, you chose a spouse, and God brought you together and ordained that and said, it shall be. And you chose to love that person. Love is a conscious choice. It's a choice. Through thick and thin, through good and bad, and it's no different in our relationship with God. If things were always good, and there were no bad, how would we know? You might say, well, that's ridiculous. No, it's actually not ridiculous. There has to be that component. God loves us so much that he gave us free will. He says, you can either follow me, 
or not follow me. So in the garden, we could get into the tree of life. We could get into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We get into the serpent. We get into what fruit it was. But the reality of it is, is, is this. He said, Adam and Eve, he made them man and woman. He made them and made us in his image, made us in our image. And they were made pure, made just like God. But he said, this is not good enough for them to understand that I truly love humanity, that I truly love Adam, that I truly love Eve, that I need to know that they truly love me. He said, I truly love them, but I want them. I want them. I'm such a jealous God. I want them to love me. And that's all he wants. He wants you to love him. And the only way you can establish that is to not force your hand, but to give you choices. It's a choice. God loves us so much that he gave us choices. You have a choice right now to choose him. Because I got news for you. He's already chose you. He already made you. But he's not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. God is such a gentleman that he is not going to force you to love him. He'll let you go and spend eternity in all of hell and away from Him and separated from Him if that's what you want. This has nothing to do with theology. has nothing to do with... It's just very private. It's just the way the world is. You can accept it or you can't. And there are all kinds of world religions out there that say do this or do that. This is the only religion that is relationship-oriented. This is the only opportunity where the God himself, the deity himself, takes it upon himself, the sins of the world, and offers himself as the sacrifice so that you and I don't have to do something to please him. We don't have to do something to cause that relationship to exist. God is in control of the relationship. And always has been. Our role is simply to say, I receive that. And it's a choice, and it exists today. And for generation upon generation, people have had to make that choice. And some have, and some haven't. And the Bible tells us that the road to hell is wide, and the gate is wide. And many will choose it, but the road to heaven is small, and few will find it. And God hasn't changed that. Why? Because He loves us so much. You know, well, how could... If he loves us so much, why doesn't that take us all to heaven? <laughs> God wants you to love him as much as he loves you. If you don't want to be with God, he said, that's fine. Have no part of me. I never knew you. So you read a lot of this stuff and it's interpreted in different ways. I get it. But the reality of it is, God just is giving you a choice. He says, here it is. I, I love you so much. I sent my one and only son to die for you. And you can choose to believe it or not. But whether you believe it or not, it's still true. You, you can choose to believe in other gods, but they're not there. You can say, well, I don't understand what heaven's really like. I don't understand why God this. I don't understand this. I don't Listen, there's a lot of things, folks, that we just don't understand about God. There's a lot of things in your own life that you don't understand. I don't understand how the cell phone works. I don't understand how I can turn on a radio and I can get stuff from all over the world on there and listen to it right now. It's in time. I don't understand that, but I do it every day. I don't understand how to open up a person's skull and work on their brain and remove a tumor, but it happens. You see, we live in a society where we're absolutely fat 
sassy and spoiled rotten. And we think we could treat people any way we want and get away with it. And God says, you can treat people any way you want, but you ain't going to get away with it. And we live in, in 248 years in the United States of America. Two more years will be 250 since 1776. We've taken just about destroyed this country because we can't say no. Because we haven't learned to understand that there's an absolute standard to everything. And that absolute standard starts with God. And that certain things are not right. So I want to talk about this as we get into the scripture to set the stage. This is and in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12, Paul does a wonderful job of explaining to us this, this very pragmatic cause. It gives us a definition of what sin is and how it entered the world. He says in verse 12 of Romans chapter 5, if you read with me, I'm in the New Living Translation. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. There it is. That's as simple as that. He made Man, he made woman. They're pure. They're holy. They're without sin. The garden was perfect because God is perfect. And he loves us so much. He said, here, here, here they are. Now, will they choose me? And they chose to do things their own way. The rest of the story is about the redemption of humankind about the redemption of man and women. To this day, the whole Old Testament is riddled with analogies, with stories, with true stories, with genealogies about Jesus and his coming. The whole New Testament is about Jesus' coming and his second coming. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Why? Because God loves us so much that he gave us his only begotten son. And said, so when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. See, you and I, because Adam, and I don't, whether you want to call him Adam or the first person, I don't, I don't care what your belief is, okay? We all came from the same person, from some place. Just, that's just a scientific fact. We're all related somehow. Okay? But because you were born, because our mother and father, our original DNA sequence and our spiritual DNA was tainted by their choices, so was ours. And we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the standard by which God lives. We all fall short of the standard by which God expects and by which you need to be in in order to be in his very presence. Because he's pure Holiness and righteous without sin. In the spirit form, God the Father is in not in a form that you and I could possibly grasp. And to be in that presence and to have any sin at all in your life is to die. Is to die. There's a fear of God we've forgotten today in the church. And a reverence for his deity and respect for who he is. Paul tells us when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. There you go. Now, you can choose to believe that or not. But I can tell you, at 55 years of age, I've seen a lot of sin in my life. 
I see a lot of sin in just one day of travels. And because I see so much sin and I see so much suffering and I see so much hate and I see so much many vile acts and I read so many things and actually experience these things, it tells me in my spirit, in my very soul, in my very mind that God is real. Why else would these things be happening? Why is there so much evil taking place in the world today? Because I believe that the end is near. I believe it's very near, much nearer than you and I think. I think the end times, the signs are coming. That's why we're going to jump into the book of Daniel in the next few weeks. We've got a sin problem in the world. And it's manifesting itself in virtually every single corner of our lives. In every pore of our cell. It's just oozing out of everything. I've seen things. You've seen things. We've experienced things. We have absolutely no idea why in the world is that happening. How can anybody believe that way? How can people accept that? How and how and how? And I'm telling you how, because it's satanic. It's evil. It's influenced by Satan himself. This is his little playground, and we are here in it for now. But God reminds us, do not fear, for I am with you. And even when we find out that the Israelites, when they were cast into Babylon in the book of Daniel, which is where we have a lot of end times prophecy. He tells them in the midst of all that in chapter 11 of Daniel, he says, but there are a few. Those who follow my commandments, those who pursue me, he says, just chill. Just relax. Because nothing has changed between you and I. I got a covenant with you, he says, and the covenant is between you and my son Jesus. And you may have some calamity. You may have some heartache. You may have some pain. You may have some things. He said, but let me tell you something. As soon as you step into the next realm, all tears are gone. All pain is gone. All suffering is gone. He says the whole world has changed. It's become new. You get a new body. You get a new life. No more of that. That suffering that Jesus did on the cross was horrific. It was something that you and I would never, ever, ever, ever want to experience. Just the physical pain, let alone the spiritual pain, let alone the emotional pain that he went through. But just to say the physical pain. But he knew in his mind, he knew the truth, and he knew what stood on the other side. He knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going back to. And if it's that good that he would put up with that kind of pain, then any kind of pain, anything that you and I go through is nothing compared to that. And I don't mean to make little of what we go through because it is hard. And it does hurt. And we have some long days. But it's for a very short time compared to the infinity of the world in which we're going to live. Is there hope in this statement? Absolutely. Is there hope that when Adam sinned, sin into the world? Yes. And he goes on to explain. He says, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. He says, for everyone sinned. And in verse 13 he says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given. When you see the reference to the law, it's just talking about a standard. You see, for a long time there, what we don't see is that they really they had no law. They didn't have the Ten Commandments. They didn't have a set of rules and regulations that said, hey, you know, coveting is a bad thing. Hey, did you know murder is a bad thing? Hey, did you know you're not supposed to steal? Did you know you're supposed to respect your parents? You're not supposed to have any other gods before me. All, all these things. So until we know what the law is, we don't know that we're breaking the law. Right? Now, you and I live in a generation where we're very familiar with the laws and we would think, well, that's common sense. You don't murder people. 
Really. We do it about 300,000 times a year to our children. The legality of abortion. There you go. Perfectly legal. We sin. And sometimes we don't even know we sin. He says, but yes, people sin even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, he says in verse 14, still, listen, even though the law wasn't given, he says, still, everyone died. You, you notice that in the Bible, right? It doesn't matter where you go. And, and people for generations upon generations that have lived before us, they all died. <laughs> okay, so if they all died, then it's because of sin, because sin entered the world through Adam. And when sin entered the world, death entered. Does that make sense? So, so the reality of it is death and taxes, right? You've heard that before? And I, and I, hate, I hate to burst your bubble, but in 100 years, ain't none of us going to be here. Ain't nobody in this sitting right here is going to be here. We'll be in a different, we'll be in a different environment. We'll be, we'll be worshiping God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit forever. We won't be bored, okay? We won't have to wonder because we'll be, on, be beyond the time dimension. You see, we're constrained by time right now. Everything's timely, I hope I get my job. I hope I get the raise. I hope I get to do this. I hope I do that. It's all continuing. I hope, hope I have grandkids. I hope I have kids. I hope, you know, everything bound by time. I hope I get out of church on time so I can go eat. I hope I, you know, we're all we're bound by time, but we're not bound by time in God's realm. God is not bound by time. That's why he can listen to and comfort you every moment of every second of your life and me at the same time. He's not bound by time. He's outside that realm. You get into the science behind that because that's a true statement. Still, verse 14, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even the time, it says, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did, <laughs> they still died. It says, now Adam is a symbol. Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Verse 15, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, listen, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many. Through this other man, Jesus Christ. In verse 16, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. Adam, listen to that. The result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Did you catch that? Even though we're guilty of many sins, this man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
Because we put our faith and our trust in him, we are forgiven and not found guilty of our many sins because of him. It says in verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death. That's why I told you what I told you before. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Receive what? Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe that God loves us so much he gave us his only begotten son. We will receive the gift of eternal life. He says we're considered righteous and we will live triumphantly over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. And we conclude with this in verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Doesn't say some, doesn't say a few. It says everyone, every living person, every single person. Adam's sin, one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's, listen, but Christ's one act of righteousness, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Amen? Verse 19, because one person, listen, disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. It's good stuff, congregation. That's the truth. That hits hard. That's a good passage of Scripture to highlight Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19 where the rubber hits the road. Now you can choose to believe it or not, but it's all about making a choice because God says, I have given you free choice. I love you that much. What will you choose this day? You're going to choose to believe the preacher? I could be making it up. I'm just a man, right? I'm telling you, that's why I read so much scripture. Let you read it for yourself. I believe that the word of God is the word of God. I believe what we just read is from the very Holy Spirit himself. Pen. By Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the very Word of God. And He tells us we can be made righteous again by choosing to love His Son. And other places in the book of Romans, He tells us all who believe shall inherit this eternal life. Follow Him. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe what you see on TV, but I encourage you to get your Bibles, read the Word of God, see what it says for yourself. Read it. It will change your life. You may not understand all of it, but God understands all of you. And if you ask Him, He'll show you what He means. He'll explain it to you in your spirit. He'll give you peace about it. He'll give you an understanding that goes beyond an understanding that you thought you might have. He loves you that much. Not only did he give you his son, but he has given you his mind. We're to become more like him as we read his word. Lord God, we thank you for your word. It is living and it is real and it is true. 
and it's for our edification, it is for our discipline, it is for our learning, it is for our knowledge, it is for our love and the love that you have for each of us to show us the direction, Lord God, to give us the truth, the true north, to show us the absolute truth is in your son, Jesus, which all power and glory has been given to him under heaven and in earth, Lord. We thank you for his presence. We thank you that he is righteous and none other is, and that those who put their faith and trust in the one and only son shall be saved and have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for this truth, and I pray that it penetrates the very hearts and souls of people listening on this day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.